all you beautiful people, and welcome to the Glorious in the Mundane podcast. I'm your host, Christy Knuckles. Happy August to you and all that August brings with it. I think I told you a few weeks ago that I was disturbed that in mid-July there were school supplies, but I kid you not, I went yesterday to try to find a particular size binder that my son needed for school, and well, it was if school supply-eating locusts had come and feasted on everything. Well, they didn't consume everything. They left three binders, two that looked like Holly Hobby from the 1980s. Yeah, just Google that. And one that had kittens on it, so that wasn't going to do. They also left the page dividers that do not have the little tabs, which of course is what I needed. So I guess I'm just not in sync this year with school supplying, but it was either too early or too late for me. I'll just have to wait till everything calms down when the stores recover and what the school supply locusts have eaten will be restored to their rightful place, which is just the normal office supply section in the store, and not barrels and racks that take up four entire aisles of stores. Anyway, I'll get there. Our oldest son, Noah, is in public school, but I homeschool my two girls, and we have one more week to get ourselves together. Noah already started, but we are kind of still getting bits and pieces together. Um, And when I say that I homeschool, you must understand that this does not mean that I'm standing up in front of a chalkboard with a pointer teaching Latin. It looks a little bit more like me with a cheerleading uniform on, one with an embroidered E for Ellie and one with an A for Annie. It means that I have somehow outsourced each subject, and I really just oversee homework, just as I would if they had homework in the afternoon after public school. And we just get it all done in the morning hours, which is great. We're actually going to try a local tutorial this year, which means that their humanities block will now be provided by a school that's just a few minutes down the road. And the rest of their subjects are on DVD with actual teacher instruction, and in Ellie's case, an actual lecture, which is so nice because if I don't understand something, I can rewind it how many ever times I need to so I can compute what they're saying. So that's what I mean when I say that I homeschool, just to clarify. I'm really thankful for Ellie. She's going into the eighth grade this year. She's our middle child, but the oldest daughter. And she's been an amazing big sister to Annie Rose, especially this past year with the move. They were really all the other one has had. They are four and a half years apart, which I wasn't sure when I had Annie Rose what that was going to be like. But it really is amazing how that gap closed as they got older. Of course, there is an ebb and flow to it. Annie kind of was Ellie's real live baby doll when she was born. And then when Ellie was about nine, she was the one who introduced Annie to baby dolls. And then came the Saturday Barbie marathons in the playroom. And I will say the fighting versus getting along ratio has changed the seasons as well. But I would say overall, it hovers around them getting along around 60% of the time, which I mean, I think that's pretty good. Some seasons it's worse. Some seasons it's better. Sometimes I'll just be minding my own business downstairs, getting things done, and just marveling at my peaceful children when all of a sudden it sounds like two bobcats are confronting each other on a mountainside. It's jaw-dropping at times, but mostly, though it's fierce, it's short-lived, thankfully. They have their ups and downs, and they've had to wait on one another. 
Ellie waiting on Annie to maybe not be the baby anymore and to learn how to play babies or maybe be mature enough to understand the conversations that Barbies need to have while choosing ball gowns and which Ken doll they're going to go on a date with since most of our Ken dolls are severely wardrobe challenged. Then Annie, in turn, having to wait on Ellie to come out of her room on Saturday mornings when she started to get a little bit older and those Barbie marathons were a little fewer and farther between. I remember getting very teary-eyed when the movie Frozen came out because Ellie was moving more towards that tween age and Annie was only six. So we were seeing the very beginnings of the gap sort of closing for a bit. And when Anna sang to Elsa, Do you want to build a snowman? I felt like my heart was going to come out of my chest because it was so similar to what was happening at our house. Literally a few days before that, I remember I had walked into Ellie's room and I picked up a little torn piece of paper that had clearly been slipped underneath the door by Annie as a note to her older sister. And it had the classic yes or no boxes at the bottom and the top read, do you want to play American Girl Dolls? Uh, those moments that you realize that these little women are working out very real things in the safety of your home. Ellie turned 13 last December, and of course, all that comes with 13 is hard for any young girl. And Annie watches her as she flat irons her hair and she uses makeup. And of course, Annie wants all of those things to become a reality for her too, but it's not quite time. But the thing is, this world that we live in, this visually heightened flashes of everything in our face all the time world we live in, it pushes our little women too soon. Just the other day, I was looking through photos on my phone and found several photos of Annie selfies, some of them literally belly laughing inducing, and others I kind of sat there and tilted my head and pondered as a mama. These were photos, innocent indeed, but she had, you know, put a little bit of makeup on, straightened her hair, put a cute outfit on, and then kind of used the mirror technique where she takes a picture of the mirror and she's in it and she's posing and smiling and wandering. And I thought it was interesting that she didn't mind me looking at them since she was in fact using my phone to take them and it dawned on me. She's already asking the age-old question in these photos. The way that I could see that she looked at herself in the mirror, I zoomed in on her little face and it was evident. She was wondering. She was asking mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? I kind of sat on it for just a few days with a heightened awareness, of course, that I need to be attentive to their wonderings and their questions. Sunday afternoon rolled around and we got home from church and changed into our comfy clothes. And I asked Annie to come sit by me on the little love seat in our master bedroom. I held her little hand and I said, you know, when you look in the mirror sometimes and that question comes to your mind, She looked up at my face, intrigued. I said, there's that question that comes to every girl's mind at one point or another. Sometimes every time we look in the mirror, am I beautiful? Am I worth anything? Am I really loved? I said, do you ever think those things? And she buried her little head in my lap. I said again, do you ever think those things? And she shook her head, yes. I said, yeah, me too. Then I said, do you know what the answer is? And she looked up at me. I looked down at her and said, the answer is always yes. She smiled. I kissed her little forehead several times as I reiterated, you can always know that the answer is yes. Right about that time, Ellie came walking in and plopped down beside me. 
And with Annie already in on the secret and without skipping a beat, I looked at Ellie and I said, Ellie, did you know that the answer is always yes? And she looked at me and smiled and said, what? I said, Annie and I were just talking and I was letting her in on a little secret that when you look in the mirror and you might have that question arise in your mind or your heart, am I beautiful? I said, I'm here to tell you that the answer is always yes. She smiled and kind of leaned on my shoulder. I continued to just pour out things on them, words of affirmation, knowing that for just a little bit during our busy world, it felt like a veil was lifted. It felt like the three of us swam in a little river of reality for a moment. It was different than what we usually find ourselves swimming in. No, this was what was really true about us. The thing that's more of a reality than the sofa we were sitting on. Later that week, Annie came across some sort of a contest where you could sign up and possibly win a chance to meet a cast member from a popular kids show, which of course I knew meant me giving up my email and getting loads of advertisements from that moment on. But still sort of swimming in that same river from Sunday, I said, Annie, did you know that you're just as well known as that Disney star? And she looked up at me puzzled. I said, did you know that the same God who made you made her? She grinned. I said, who made the ground underneath this home we're sitting in? She said, God. I said, do you realize that that same God who made everything you see out that window and the ground that we're sitting on, he knows how many hairs are on your head and hers? Of course, I did also go into detail how that Disney star woke up that morning with no makeup on, messy hair, morning breath. She had to use the potty just like everyone else. And of course, that got a big laugh because she's nine and she loves potty talk still. And I said, I bet she looked at herself in the mirror this morning. And that same question came to her mind. Am I beautiful? And Annie smiled again as if to say, I get what you're saying, mom. But back to that moment on the sofa in the master bedroom, as the girls and I sat there, Nathan, my husband, came in and said, what are you girls doing? And we were all sort of quiet. Annie kind of looked at me like, we can't tell him. I looked at her kind of like, you can tell him if you want, but it's okay if you don't want to him as well. And of course, she knew what that look meant because we girls just have our looks. And she spoke up. Mom said the answer is always yes if we look in the mirror and wonder if we're beautiful. Nathan, of course, affirmed that with big hugs, and we all sat quiet, not wanting to leave the peace and quiet of that little river, knowing that the hustle and bustle of the next week might taint the waters a little, or worse, we might forget about it altogether. But I thought, and I've said this before, this is the hub of our home, this room, I don't ever want to forget or for any of our kids to forget that this hub is a safe place. And this hub is where they can come to for truth, for affirmation, for a river of reality in a world of muck and mire. Our son Noah often kind of lingers near our door at night when something's on his mind. And we invite him in and usually end up praying with him over something that's causing worry Now, every night is not like this at our house, I assure you, and I've also figured out that you can't conjure up these moments as much as I wish you could as parents. That never works. You just have to be willing to walk through that door when it's open to you as a parent. And this hub right now is just the physical representation of the one and only hub that we can all truly look to. As parents, our job is to keep pointing to Jesus And little by little, every bit of dependency on us, 
we start helping them to transfer it over completely to Him. On a little bit of a different scale, a few years ago, as part of helping plant Passion City Church in Atlanta, Georgia, my heart was particularly drawn to leading women, especially the young women who led worship in the different environments on Sunday, like the kids' ministry, students, or even the main auditorium. And for a season, I was able to have these women come to my house for a Bible study type thing on a regular basis. You can actually read a recent blog called Relevant or Irrelevant that I wrote on my website about getting to lead these women. It was an incredibly special season that I will never forget. We had walked together for a few years, and that time was coming to a close as I knew God was moving us on from there in the next year or so. So there was this night where we all gathered. It was late spring, and it felt like in many ways that last Sunday in your Sunday school class where you're going to move up to the next grade that next week. And it was sort of this graduation of sorts. And as I pondered, what in the world, if I had to boil it all down, God, what do you want me to say to these women? I had been reading in 1 Corinthians 3 quite a bit around that time, and immediately the words, all is yours in Christ, came to me. I headed back over to 1 Corinthians 3, where Paul is addressing the church boldly about them growing up in some areas, and basically to stop boasting in what leaders they were following rather than boasting that they belonged to Jesus. In verse 18, Paul says, Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools, so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or future. All are yours, and you are in Christ, and Christ is in the Father. I began to think about that statement over and over. All is yours in Christ. That is that other swimming hole, that river we don't often find ourselves in. I thought, of course, the first thing we must do in order to make this claim, either out loud or in our hearts, is that we have to redefine that word, all. What is the all, and all is yours in Christ? What does that really mean for us? I came across a graduation address that week that John Piper had given to the graduating class of Bethlehem College and Seminary. I was so moved by it that I chose to read it to those women that night as a sort of their own graduation commencement. I saw many of those women at that time in their lives allowing themselves to sort of be binged, like second or third string binged, waiting for this moment for someone to give them permission to do or be what they're called to be. I didn't have any kind of authority to put players in the game, but what I could do was be someone in their lives who spoke over them permission to be who God had made them to be and to speak about this river of reality that they were indeed allowed to swim in. John Piper took this passage in 1 Corinthians 3 and likens Paul's argument to a lightning bolt. It's a brief argument, but like a lightning bolt, this argument becomes something that can be overwhelmingly life-changing. The argument is, let no one boast in men. He goes on to say this, When a sense of insecurity in your abilities, in your job, in your ministry, in your theology, tempts you to attach yourself to someone stronger, someone more competent, more esteemed, more gifted, more secure, don't do it. You don't need to do it because all things are yours. When a sense of 
out-of-the-way insignificance in a world of social media and publishing and growing churches and conference speaking and metro urban cultural emphasis tempts you to attach yourself to someone or some group that's more prominent, more shrewd, more published, more successful, more admired, more urbane. You don't need to do it because all things are yours. When the craving for the kudos that come from being in the know about the latest prominent music group or athletic team or movie or pastor or theologian or book or mobile app or political guru tempts you to attach yourself to them, don't do it. You don't need to do it because all things are yours. When the craving for secondhand significance and worth and power and authority tempts you to grasp for it vicariously by boasting in men, don't do it. You don't need to do it because all things are yours. That is the brightest thunderbolt that could possibly strike in the darkness of your life, present or future. But Paul knows that when lightning strikes, we tend to close our eyes. We tend to shield ourselves and shrink back from the brightness. And so we miss the grandeur of it. It doesn't have its full electrifying effect on us. So it doesn't do its whole work of setting us free from the darkness of insecurity and insignificance and the craving for prominence and power. Piper goes on to explain each one of these things in the argument, Paul, Apollos, Cephas, this world, life, death, present, and future, and how it's ours. How Paul and Apollos and Cephas, everything they did, everything they lived and believed and sacrificed is ours. And here's what he says about the present. He says, The present is yours. All things are yours now. All things do not begin to serve you at some future time. They are serving you now. Every moment of your life is yours. Every moment is your servant. Every moment is a stroke of the divine brush on the canvas of the final masterpiece called you. Every moment, the sad moments, the happy moments, the fearful moments, the bold moments, the lonely moments, the grieving moments, the ecstatic moments, and sleeping moments. All the moments, the present, is yours. You are not the slave of time or chance or any sequence of events. You own them. They are yours. They serve you. They are God's emissaries to bring you to glory and make you glorious. I'm so happy to say that my special guest today is Miss Ellie Holcomb. I met Ellie when I was writing my record called Let It Be Jesus, and we had a mutual friend who connected us to songwrite. We wrote in a little VRBO house that I rented actually only three miles from my home now. Little did I know that only a few years later I'd be living back here in Franklin, Tennessee. I want to share this song with you that Ellie and I wrote that day. It's called Everything is Mine and You. Yes, I carried that scripture from 1 Corinthians 3 in my heart for quite some time because the truth of the matter is, though I was wanting to be that voice in those young women's lives to give them permission to say, everything is mine in you, Jesus, I was still struggling to believe it for myself and still do sometimes. God was doing and still is a deep work in me about prying my fingers from earthly things and living from the true place of belovedness in that bullseye, and even going as far as realizing that I needed to repent for how I had put my trust in man and not in the Lord. 
As I shared the passage of Scripture with Ellie that day, and I'll say this about Ellie, that she's been a songwriter that my girls have latched onto in the last five years and will often thankfully even choose her music over other options that 9- and 13-year-olds can listen to. But Ellie shared a Scripture with me that day as we were songwriting, one that was burning on her heart. It was Romans 4.18. It says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations just as it had been said to him. So you can see, and you'll even be able to hear, how these scriptures work together. It's believing by faith and hoping, even against all hope, that there's a river of reality that you can swim in today, that even when your heart is breaking, even when the road is lonely, everything is yours today because you're in Christ and He is in the Father. It's a place where the answer is always yes, We might not always get a yes in the area of our circumstances, but we'll always get a yes over who we are. Yes, you're beautiful. And yes, you have more worth than you can possibly imagine. It's a place to love from, a place to lead from, a place to mother from if that's you, a place to sing and just live from today. Everything is mine in
So enjoy my conversation now with sweet Ellie Holcomb. Well, I am so excited to be sitting here with Ellie Holcomb today. Thanks for coming out to Leaper's Fork. Oh my goodness. It's my pleasure, truly. I'm actually going to take my shoes off as I'm talking. Oh, please. Right this feels like a place you should not have your shoes on. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you can just keep eating that blueberry muffin. Blueberry muffin, yeah. right in front of you. <laughs> Barefoot on the couch with a blueberry muffin. It's, I mean, the best. Leaper's fork. I love it. That's what it calls for. I love it. How are you? It's beautiful out here. I'm so well. I love the summer. Yes. I do too. It's a good pace. I'm sad that it's like, it's, I was just telling people on my podcast a few weeks ago that like, 
literally, I think it was the week after the 4th of July, I went into Kroger and there were school supplies. And I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just, but yeah, let's just hold on for the last bit. A couple more weeks. (laughs) I am, and I will. (laughs) As long as possible. It's good, isn't it? Even when your kids like, I mean, as I know, you guys do preschool, Mm -hmm. right? But Mm -hmm. it seems like even when your kids aren't fully in the the pace of school, I remember even still just like, it's just a different posture in the summer. I'm just like, I don't know, just rest and kind of lazy days and later nights. Yeah. Family stuff. We're just talking yesterday. They're like, we have got to turn the Titanic around. (laughs) Our children went to bed at 10 p.m. They're young and they're Uh, starting first grade and then a preschool program. And they were like, can't be doing, it's not yeah. going to be good for anybody. Yeah. 10 o'clock. But it is just sweet to savor mm. those kind of last little yeah. summer. Is your oldest really starting first grade? No, no. That's right. my dear, one of my oh. best friends. So she, they were just, she was just saying like, oh, yeah. oh man, we got to switch this. Oh, yes. We got to switch this up. So how old are your girls? So I've got, Emmy Lou is three and a half. Okay. I, that's what I thought. Yeah. I was like, if you ask her, no she says three November 9th. Because she turned three on November 9th. Three November. Three November 9th. So she um, is three and a half going on 13. and right. <laughs> um, Three major. And then um, Huck just turned one. Oh. So we just did his little first birthday oh, with so the precious. cake everywhere. It's amazing. I took yeah. a picture actually of, of the like 20 people taking a picture of him yeah. eating cake right the first time. <laughs> just... Oh, it's a sweet, it's a sweet deal. Yeah. So, young, young chillins. Yeah. I've always heard that you can, and we've kind of noticed too, that you can figure out sort of their personality with when you put the cake in front of them. Because oh, yeah. they all kind of react different. What did Huck do? He was, well, I found out later that, that whoever put him in his little seat that he was in did not buckle him in. So I think there was an amendment to his cake eating he was very, he's usually very smiley and he was like really serious and his arm was wrapped around the chair. The entire, one of his arms was like hanging on the chair because I really oh. think, poor thing, he thought he might slide out. Yeah. But the other, I mean, he just, oh. he was very serious. Um, he can, he has a very serious look and a very serious smile. Like, oh. so he can kind of swing. He's a hybrid of his parents. Uh-huh. Um, and his little other hand that was not grabbing onto that chair was, I mean, like, it is my birthday and I will eat this entire cake and y'all cannot have any of it. He was shoveling, <laughs> he was shoveling it in his mouth. So um, and it was just, oh man, it was really fun. Yeah. I mean, our going. oldest Noah shoveled and then Ellie, our middle, it took her for, yeah, it was just took her forever to figure out is this really okay? Can I do this? And I don't want to get dirty. And yeah, it's so, it's so so funny. That's so fun. Good. I love it. Well, I got to get a picture of you with my girls earlier because, um, I bet, I mean, Annie Rose, so she, she has my phone for most of the day. Um, so (laughs) when people text me and I don't text back for quite a while, I'm just, and sometimes she opens my text, so then they go down and down and down, and I don't see them. See them. Mm-hmm. But anyway, she she also sees my eye count, so she's like, 
Is Ellie Holcomb really coming for a podcast? <laughs> is she coming to our house or are you going to her house? <laughs> so awesome. Because you've really been such a hero to them. And so as a mama, it's just so sweet to for them to have someone that they truly look up to. And we've played your music for years and even before we knew you. And, um, and just I love that's what's washing over there over them a lot of the time in the car and and they'll choose it they'll you know bypass a lot of disney stuff thankfully and go <laughs> go straight right. to la holcomb records so i'm like yes oh, oh man yeah. thanks for even saying that you forget i think you forget sometimes what like what an honor to know you're in the car with mm. a family Sometimes I think sometimes it's you know you don't see all that yeah. so yeah thanks for even telling me that yeah. I love knowing that it's so sweet it is I all know right. it because I experience it with even with our little Emmy Lou yeah. I what she what she's listen, drawn to what she's drawn to and what mm-hmm. she listens to and man you're just so grateful when something is uh, instilling good things yeah. in her you just want the good to and yeah. the truth to wash over yeah. um, even yeah. if it's in the background of the conversation yeah. so that's really good um, I remember um, so a lot of people may not know that your dad is Brown Bannister yeah. and it's really how I first heard of you before you were even really making records um, Brown is Nathan would say my husband would say definitely his hero um, growing up as far as just you know he didn't really get to know him until probably he was more like around 30 maybe is when we you know met your dad one time but and that was a huge thing for Nathan but just um Brown produced a, a lot of you know early Amy Grant uh stuff that I would have grown up on like yeah. Michael Louis Smith and um tons of Christian music I mean that I like before Annie Rose's age I mean that I would have you know just I was raised on that and so was he and Nathan used to study liner notes, and yes. he would know, you know, what Brown produced. And um, oh, I remember okay. singing on a Twilight Paris record. Um, I was pregnant with, or maybe I just, you know, I was either pregnant or I just had Annie Rose. I can't remember, but Brown was out here, and I was asking me, you know, tell me, how many kids do you have? And, and I said, well, we have Ellie. She's five, and he was like, I have an Ellie. And so we kind of talked about you, and that would have been quite a while ago. But um, oh, at first, so I just always remembered that, like, oh, he has an Ellie. Oh, and I then love now it. I know you. Yeah, and that, I love that. He, uh, he is. It's been really sweet thing. Um, it's fun to hear stories of him back in that season. Um, I he's like one of my heroes. Mm-hmm. For sure, and uh, he and my mom both. Uh, but he uh, would say, if he was here, that when I was, you know, probably more like Annie Rose's age. So when I was younger, like my younger years through, really through high school, mm-hmm. um, for a lot of years he was a workaholic, and so it's so. Um, and then, man, God just changed his heart and turned his heart towards home. His heart was always towards home. He always loved us. We always knew that we were loved. Um, But he just was really busy. I mean, and it's, 
you know, it's hard to even make a schedule because you never know what work is coming in or what work is not coming in. Mm -hmm. And just work kept coming and he kept saying yes. And so it has been a really beautiful thing. Um, now, as a parent, um, to watch him, basically what he says now, to watch him turn his heart towards home, completely rearrange his life, mm -hmm. to say, you are what matters to me more than work which really has always been his heart but he just changed reorganized his life mm. and and he says that like the two things that he can offer his kids about the only two things that he can offer his kids are love and then repentance mm. and man what it's beautiful man what freedom yeah. for me now as a mama knowing okay yeah. wait a second this is not about me doing this parenting thing perfectly. Like, I'm definitely not going to do that. Yeah. Um, but knowing, like, man, I can repent. I can just come and own when I made a mistake and say, please forgive me, I'm sorry. And there's mercy, there's new mercies every morning. And, yeah. man, the, freed, the way that that has freed me up as a parent and just as a woman, I mean, yeah. it has been incredible. So to watch him live that out. Um, and to see the healing that's come in our family that's followed yeah. just him turning around mm -hmm. and saying, okay, I'm going to walk in a different way. Please yeah. forgive me. I know that I probably hurt you and it wasn't yeah. there. So it just is. And then on top of that, this is sort of like that first, the Lord restores the years that the locusts have eaten. Yeah. Now the very thing that pulled him apart and took him away from our family um, I'm getting to make music with my dad. Yeah. It is like, it has just been, mm. it has been so sweet and such a gift. And so people ask us, what's it like working together? And both of us just immediately start tearing up. We're like, <laughs> we're so thankful. Yeah. Um, and he really has done that. A lot of our family, I'm the oldest of five kids, and a lot of our family is musical. And he's worked in some way musically with every kid. And so it's just been sweet, the thing that, just God is a redeemer. He restores. He's and He restores, and it's been right. sweet to watch Him do that in our family. Mm. So that's really beautiful. I remember when I very first met you, you told me that, you know, and you shared that. And I know um, that you guys kind of you had to go through rough patches, I'm sure, to like get to that place of healing, and just probably as a family, just to get to that place of um, that freedom that mm -hmm. finally broke through and. You know, and your dad getting to that place of like, gosh, love and repentance. This is what I can offer my children. I mean, that's, but isn't it amazing? Like thinking back even um, on your childhood and I think back on mine, because my dad was, it was a little bit the same, like kind of mm -hmm. felt in those early years, like married to the church. He was a pastor mm -hmm. and was always gone and it was really just my mom at home. And, um, and of course now he sees all of that. And so I understand that, like, in a, in a huge way. And it, isn't it amazing, like, um, even as a child, and I don't know if you just, you know, you remember some of those early, just your thoughts being formed and all of that around also dealing sort of with that, you know, that pain and that absence or just like, you know, just where everything, you know, was not perfect, which none of us, like you said, are the perfect parent. Um but how just how Jesus uses all of that, and I think even I can tell through your music, just mm -hmm. forming things in you, and even through that, it's hard the yeah. hard stuff, right. like through that pain, and what are some of like you feel like maybe those early formative things, like 
you know, even maybe just first memories of Jesus, I, I sense you're with me or that you exist, basically. Or do you remember some of those, like, even through the absence and the pain and how God can use, even in our children, hard things, you know? Oh, man. I, I will. I think I, this, is, this isn't uh, as early on. Uh, as as you would think, but it's funny because I even early on I um, I knew that God loved me, mm-hmm. and I think I think I knew that um, because I saw it uh, and heard it from my parents, even though they, even though my dad wasn't around. Yeah. It's like I had this sense that yeah. God loved me and He was for me and He yeah. was with me. Um, so that's a comfort too, knowing like what they're saying and what they're living, the way that they live yeah. their lives. We're out of a place of being loved mm-hmm. and sharing that love with their kids and with all the people around them. And so I just like saw like this is real. Like yeah. this is mm-hmm. true. And I'm so grateful for that. But I remember um, I had my heart broken um, in high school mm-hmm. and I was, you know, just I had grown up in the church, and I'm so grateful for that background. And I remember uh, just feeling like my response had to be, I didn't know it was okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. For, no one ever said that, right, mm-hmm. from the pulpit. Like, nobody ever right. said that. But I just interpreted, like, okay, this is, my heart is really broken, um, but God is good, but God is good, which is always true. He is always good. Yeah. But um, I just felt like I had to muster up courage. And I remember I was on the way, I was driving my truck on the way to lead a small discipleship group of middle school girls mm-hmm. when I was a senior in high school. And um, I just broke down mm-hmm. in my car, like the ugly kind of cry that's maybe not safe to continue driving. <laughs> right. And I remember just going like, God, I am not okay. And I don't, and I don't like my life and I don't and I don't like that my heart has been broken and I wish that my legs were skinnier and I know I'm supposed to not care about the way I look but I do and and I I just and I was like and I feel like I am not together and I'm not strong and I am you know not weak and I remember pulling over because I literally did not feel safe to drive and um and I just sensed him say and yeah I love you mm-hmm. And I like you too. Mm-hmm. And I it it was um it's sweet to know that even um to me, it's a comfort to me to know as a mom of young kids that even even maybe when I'm not doing the right thing or saying the right thing, God is who he is. Yeah. He's faithful mm-hmm. and he's with my kids. So it's yeah. but it's you know, your heart just breaks thinking about them hurting. Yeah. And you don't want them to hurt. But that's really mm-hmm. from the moments and the places in hurt that's part of how I know that God is real because yeah. I've seen him show up in the middle of yeah. of those hard things yeah powerful yeah. ways when did you first start songwriting was it were you young or was I um wrote started writing in middle school mm-hmm. I mean in high school um the first song I wrote is actually on my first little EP that I really? did. Yeah. I was, and it's funny, from the very beginning, I always was writing to work out my faith in my life. Yeah. And so 
it's just a little psalm that I was reading that I thought was so beautiful, mm -hmm. and I just started singing it. And so that's just been from mm -hmm. the very beginning when I figured out you could play guitar and sing something over it. Yeah. Um, I've wanted to just kind of sing towards Jesus and yeah. kind of work out whatever that is. So um, that was Psalms from the very beginning. And What song was it? Uh, it's Psalm 108. Yeah. And it's just, that's the name of the psalm. It's literally almost straight, you know, yeah. from a little section of that psalm. And so, um, my heart is steadfast, O oh God. I'll sing praises up to thee within the nations. Mm -hmm. I'll give thanks to thee, O Lord, among the peoples. I'll sing praises up to thee within my soul. For thy loving kindness is greater than the heavens. Thy truth, it reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O oh God, above the heavens, and thy glory over all the earth, that those you love may be delivered, save with your right hand, and answer me. Mm. And it's so sweet. I know that because I've sung it. Yeah. And I just, I think that's always been a, mm. a deal for me. It helps me know what's true to sing yeah. it. Yeah. I love that about so much of your songs because it's, you really do, I think, more than anyone I've ever heard, you've done, you have written music to straight scripture like pretty much the best I've ever heard so because it just kind. it really you sometimes it's just like oh they just took a scripture and like it doesn't really <laughs> it's not real <laughs> memorable but like you just have a way of like I mean it's just so and I just know one of the things I always tell when and you know that you know I've told you this but like I promote you all over the nation <laughs> I'm like, so Ellie Holcomb, if you don't have her records, go buy them. But um, the thing I loved about you when I first met you is, do you remember, we we wrote in Leapers Fork. Leapers Fork. I, I didn't live here then, but I had rented a little house, and I was just writing. And um, and you came, and I remember you were just, like, juggling everything because you had guitar, you know, bottled water, but you had your, your Bible. And I love that because there's not very many people, you know, that show up to a songwriting session with it's just a big fat bible <laughs> i just love that about you and we were just oh. crying within a few minutes know. you know because it just because we were both just sharing what was basically just burning on our heart and it, yeah. it just like um and we just kind of merged the two scriptures that um we were that were on our hearts kind of thinking, yeah. and wrote everything is mine and you and um <laughs> just so sweet, and I love it because um, you kind of you were sharing about friends and your your life. You, you know, were just mm -hmm. carrying like heavy, heavy things, and um, I shared the same. And it was just just neat how amazing, basically, how scripture it's it's alive and active and breathing and living, and you know, and how it you know when you really use scripture with song, it's it's just so powerful helps it sink in for, for me mm -hmm. at least and it's usually it's interesting that you just said that because I think a lot of times um when I'm writing the scripture that's on my heart is something usually that I'm clinging to it you know like I yeah. I guess I'd love to get to the place where I'm like I just need to know this because I'm in a great place but I just want to really hang on to this promise usually it's I'm struggling <laughs> I need to know. Yeah. I need to know right. that this yeah. is true. God, I need I need you to help me mm -hmm. believe that this is true. This in in this situation, whatever it is, and I'm amazed because because every trial 
um, that I've faced is I reach out to for something solid to hang on to, right. you know, for an anchor. Yeah. Um, man, his it is amazing thing how um, his word has settled my soul in the middle of really unsteady unstable Mm -hmm. waters it just feels like okay I can this is this is true it has been true it will be true it's Mm -hmm. true in this situation it's true Mm -hmm. in whatever's ahead Mm -hmm. even if that's dark and unknown um, we can know that this is this Mm -hmm. is truth and I'm just so grateful for some reason singing it just helps yeah yeah (laughs) So yeah. I feel like a really selfish songwriter, basically. <laughs> I'm like, this well, is really good for me. No, I mean, and that's the thing. That's what I think that's what that thing is that people can't quite put their finger on when they hear your music or music where it starts in that place is the artist is literally like, I needed to experience this first, mm. firsthand. Like, mm. this, this is what I really am clinging to. And I think that's people have this, like, meter that, you know, they can just tell when something's like really in your gut and mm. I just always say like you know this is just in my guts you know this mm. truth and I'm clinging to it like you said and I think that's people just can tell when there's that authenticity mm. to it you know and because you've had you've experienced it first you know before you've shared it and that's it's beautiful mm. I love that so you um our mama of two, and I know we've talked about this a little bit just when we've gotten to see each other on the road, but um, just share a little bit about, you know, that, you know, it's the age-old question, the balance thing, and I know we've talked about it a lot, and um, it really is just that. It's a day-to-day, almost minute-by-minute sometimes um, balance, right? And oh, um, what's that been like in the last year or so for you just or more really the last yeah. three years of just, doing this yeah. yeah I really didn't want to do it to be honest <laughs> <laughs> I really I had it out with God I really did because I just um you know when you sense God asking you to do something and it just scares you mm-hmm. that was doing music for me. I just sensed I was making writing these songs really for myself. Truly, I didn't. I really didn't know that I would ever be singing them for anybody in person ever. I thought maybe at the most I would like send some music out onto the internet. Maybe right. you know. Um, and when I sensed him asking me to go, I just thought, no, no, this is the wrong timing, Lord. You have this timeline mixed up. <laughs> I'm supposed to go once my kids go to college, like, and they're, like, raised, and, you know. um, And so it it has been, um, I think I am am constantly um, amazed at his faithfulness and um, of him just reminding me that even though he's given me, so my, I'll I'll go back to this very early moment. It's an Ebenezer. And I say sometimes Ebenezer is kind of a weird word, but I just, it's that like stone. It's the place that I continue to go back to. It's Mm -hmm. the story that I continue to go back to to when I am struggling. Mm -hmm. And there are lots of days when I struggle, like of just going, I can't do this. I'm doing this poorly. Mm -hmm. I'm really thankful for repentance because I need to repent today. (laughs) I am not okay today. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I was on, I was on an RV. Um, We had just had, 
uh, Emily was maybe three months old, mm-hmm. and we were getting ready to head out on a tour. At that time, I was touring with my husband, Drew, and his band, uh, Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors, and we were getting ready to go out on about a four-month run um, with another band, and we were on in an RV on the way up to a wedding with Drew's family, and I was just... I was very fearful. I had a lot of fear as a parent. Just, am I doing this right? I want to do this. I love this person so much. I just want to do this right. And yeah. I didn't know if I should take her out of her car seat to feed her or if I should go, like, pump in the bathroom and, like, give her a bottle later. <laughs> Sorry if you're a man listening to this. But I just was, I wanted to make the right choice, and I wanted her to be safe. And and I was so tired, and I decided to pump in the bathroom. Not saying that that was a great decision, but... Um, but I just remember, like, looking at myself in the RV mirror being jostled by the road and just going, like, God, I cannot do this. Like, I cannot do that. You know, the wah, wah. You know, like, this is a low. I feel, I'm feeling very low this at this moment. So I did what I do when I'm really desperate and I don't know what to do. And it is pull the Jesus Calling app because I'm like, it will be what I need to hear today. And I pull it up and I'm like, no, Lord, this is not what I need to hear today. <laughs> I am so overwhelmed. I can't do this mom and music thing. I don't know what what am I doing? This is so dumb. And and um I remember he, like not audibly but just sensing um I'm like I need you to speak to me. I, I am this is a cry for help. Um and I just felt like I heard go take a nap. And I'm like, well, that is not from the Lord. That is just what I want and need to do. So I announce um, to Drew, I, you know, hand him the bottle and I'm like, I'm going to take a nap. He's like, great. I'm like, oh yeah, that's not that big of a deal. I can do that. Okay. So I climb up to the little bunk on the RV and I am laying down and um, sort of just rocking with the road. And I mean, tears are just streaming down my Mm. face. And I will never forget it because I felt like the Lord um, just really spoke to me in that moment saying, I know that I I have given you this little girl um, and now this little boy, you know, uh, this little girl to care for and to raise up Mm -hmm. in the way that she should go. But she is mine and I'm going to take such good care of her. Mm. And I was like, not in this alone. And then on top of that, he said, even though I've given you the job of being Emilou's mama, um, you need to know that you are still my daughter mm. and you are mine and I'm going to take such good care of you. And I, it changed. It really did. That is the place that I go back to on the days when I'm like, I am screwing these children up, you know, like, <laughs> I'm not doing this right. I'm like going, okay, Lord, Yeah. it is not about me doing this perfectly. They are yours. And, and, and on top of that, you've given them specifically to me and you know, my struggles and you know, what's hard for me and you know how that's going to be hard for, and you're going to use all of that. Cause that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to take good care of me and you're going to take good care of them. And before being a mama, um, I think maybe it's more important to remember that I'm a daughter, his daughter first. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it's a constant going back to that 
Strugs on the RV moment. (laughs) (laughs) Strugs on the RV moment. I go back to that place of going, okay, at the end of the day, I'm his and they're his. And he's going to take really good care of us. Mm. I love that. My brother um, reminds me a lot. I think it's maybe... I'm not sure who first said this. It might be Larry Crabb or someone, but it, he talks about how we are um, a sheep from the front, but we're a shepherd from the back when we lead. And the same could be said, I was just thinking of, we're a daughter from the front and a mom from behind. And that's such a, that's a, I mean, that's beautiful, Ellie. I, I mean, what an Ebenezer, you know, oh. just to know, like, I'm always a daughter from the front and that's the best way to be a mom Uh, from the back it is I I am so grateful and I think I'm constant right now what God has been teaching me is is I don't you know what are you doing I was answering questions um on an email for a parenting blog and it's like what are you doing to teach your Jesus Mm -hmm. you know your Jesus to teach your children about Jesus Mm -hmm. right now and um I think what God is showing me is like to just walk with me yeah. as a daughter in front of them. And on the days when you kind of lose your temper or, mm-hmm. or you are impatient, you get to say, oh, man, I, you know what? Will you forgive me? I was really impatient. And mm-hmm. will you pray with me? I'm having a hard Like, let's just, yeah. I need to pray. I need to go go to Jesus right now. Come with me as, yeah. I, as I go to him. Right. And so to just be walking that out in front of them, because I don't ever want, my kids to think that I am doing this life thing perfectly. Yeah. I just really, well, I, yeah, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, True. stumble with me to Jesus, that's, kids. Let's go beautiful. there. And let's read this together and talk about this in the car. And I, so it's a good thing for me. I think my personality is to want to be like, well, we do a Bible study every morning together. It's just the <laughs> sweetest. And there's, I'm doing this curriculum. You know, right. I'm a te- I used to be a teacher. And so, like, I yeah. think there, and I, I think um, God's given me those gifts and I can use those. But I always want to have, like, a syllabus. Sure. And so, <laughs> I think there's something that's been really beautiful of going, okay, there can be moments of that, but man, there's a lot of, um, like this is going to, I don't know if I'm just going to say it cause authenticity. So I realized the other day, like, um, I'm like, man, Emily does not love to pray. She's always saying, mama, you pray, you mm. pray. And I realized, you know, we pray when we go to bed, we pray before meals, um, and we, but I was like, man, I want her, the reason that I thought about why, how did I learn how to pray? I was just thinking about that. Like, sure. hey, how did mom teach me how to do this? I'm like, I thought my mom never sat me down and said, Ellie, this is how you pray. My mama just prayed mm. all the time. Like for oh, my yeah. friends before they left the house, she'd be like, let's just pray and send you out, mm. which was a little embarrassing to me at some times, <sighs> but I am so grateful. Yeah. Um, that she just lived it out. She didn't yeah. sit down and teach me about prayer. She just prayed. That's and beautiful. and man, I was like, oh man, okay, mm. that feels doable. Yeah, that doesn't have to be a syllabus. That's just living mm. life and stumbling to the cross and leaning on Jesus yeah. in front of your children. And oh, so that's yeah. sort of what he's teaching me right now. I'm grateful. <laughs> so beautiful. 
Wow, thank you so much for coming. Oh, I just know this yes. is going to breathe just so much life into so many women out there and whether they're in their car commuting from school or just mm. in life in general, moms out there and um, it's just so real and precious and that's you and I'm so grateful for who you are just in the body of Christ and who you are as an artist and you and Drew both and just grateful for your family and everyone listening. Let's just be praying for the Holcomb family. Just all that God has for you guys. It's a lot of influence there and a lot of, um, you need to also get Drew Holcomb and the neighbors music, (laughs) but just so much there, you know, and that's, there's so much soul and even spiritual, even just through all of Drew's music and it's mm. been so life-giving to our family and so Friend. we'll just be lifting you guys up and just so grateful for who you are thank so thank you, you for being with me today about you. it's been such a joy I love you love you too I love Ellie so much and can truly say that she's the same person off stage as she is on stage and is just one of the most tender-hearted people I've ever met She's a very gifted songwriter, and you'll want to invest in all of her CDs because they are like memorizing a scripture. But it really is finely crafted music, too, that you'll absolutely love, and you'll fall in love with her. And I can't really say which CD I love the best because we have them all, and we kind of have like an Ellie mix. And I couldn't decide if I had to, if I was trying to tell you which one to get. So you'll just want to invest in it. I'm so excited to hear her new album that she's working on that's slated to release in January, so keep your eyes open for that. I got to hear one of the songs when we were on a trip singing at the same conference in Hawaii a few months ago, and I cried because I knew where the song had come from, and I can't wait for you to hear it and the stories behind all of it, so pay close attention. You can find Ellie on Instagram at Ellie Holcomb, that's H-O-L-C-O-M-B, and of course her website is simply ellieholcomb.com. If you want to find that address that I shared by John Piper, that can be found on desiringgod.org, and then just search, All Things Are Yours, and you can read the entire thing. It's very beautiful. I also wanted to remind you about the Christmas campaign I have going on right now on my website. You can actually do some early Christmas shopping while helping to fund my first Christmas album. We're going to announce the title of the record very soon, and when I do, you can kind of start visualizing this beautiful title, which I think is something you'd want printed on things, but you can imagine it engraved on this little tiny teaspoon that we have by Jessica in Designs, or on a campfire mug, or a journal that's going to be splashed with lyrics from the record throughout. We have some beautiful items, and I know as the story unfolds in the next few weeks, you might want to snatch some of those up for family and friends, and you'll have Christmas shopping done so early, but you will also have gotten to be a part of helping us turn this dream into reality. We have reached around 30% of our goal, which we couldn't be more thrilled about, so thank you so much for those of you who have invested in it. We are so humbled and grateful. And thank you for those of you who have rated us on iTunes podcast because that causes other people to want to give this podcast a try. And so we're grateful for that and for what God is doing through it. So honestly, thank you so much for leaving the reviews and thumbs up and comments. You've just blessed us so much. I hope you have a glorious rest of your day. This has been so sweet to get to be with Ellie today. I hope you've enjoyed it so much, and I will talk to you soon.